the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Good afternoon, Northern California. Welcome. Just about five minutes after the hour, 5 p.m., as we welcome you to another edition of Lifeline. Keeping you company Monday through Friday at this time, as we typically do, addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. Well, as by now, you're no doubt well aware, U.S. stocks closed out 2022 much lower, capping a year of sharp losses driven by aggressive interest rate hikes to curb inflation, recessionary fears, and, of course, the ongoing Russia-Ukraine war, along with rising concerns over the impact of COVID, particularly in cases like China. Wall Street's three men in disease booked their first yearly drop since 2018 as an era of loose monetary policy came to a screeching halt. The Fed's fastest pace of rate hikes seen since the 1980s. The benchmark S&P 500 shedding almost 19%, marking roughly an $8 trillion decline in market cap. Meanwhile, the tech-heavy Nasdaq down 33%, while the Dow Jones Industrial Average had fallen almost 9%. The annual percentage declines for all three indices were the biggest we've seen since the 2008 financial crisis, largely driven by a rout in growth shares as concerns over the Fed's rapid rate increases boost U.S. Treasury yields. Additionally, many of the economic indicators pointing to recession, political tensions, along with the Ukraine war, also added to a sense of uncertainty. With a look not only at the year that was, but most importantly, the year ahead, we're joined by the principal of Compact Asset Management, the host of Market Wrap, heard each Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. on KDOW. Always a delight and an education to have join us, Mo Ansari. Mo, welcome and a slightly belated Happy New Year to you. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to the broadcast today. It's always a pleasure. It's, uh, as I indicated, been a, been a kind of a rough year for shareholders, and I guess particularly for those that either weren't paying any attention, didn't have a strategy in place, or were perilously close to or already in retirement. Um, 2022 is not going to be a year very fondly remembered. That is correct, Greg. It was one of those tough years that uh, the markets we occasionally go through. And that's, as I always say, nothing goes up in a straight line. We've had a number of wonderful years in the market. 2021 was a banner year. 2020 was rocky, but still came up positive. So, you know, over the years, in the last seven, eight years, we've accumulated a lot of wealth in these in our stock accounts then there are years like last year where you have to be cautious you have to have the right allocations so that's i call what i call those as shock absorbers that you have built into your portfolio so the market was down 19 you go gave up 10 or 12 probably by this time of the year you're back most of the game what you gave up last year you've gained it back if you had the right allocation if you had bitcoin and the cryptos <laughs> then you had a problem that's uh, that's unfortunately what happens 
at market tops, people get overly aggressive. And of course, I guess a lot of it really sort of turns and centers on what you've sort of alluded to, and that is the notion of your appetite for risk. And obviously, those particular financial vehicles that may promise the greatest reward also are almost exclusively attended to by the greatest degree of risk. Overall, I, I wonder, though, as you kind of analyze what we have been through, not only nationally, but globally, um, since sort of the impact of COVID in 2020, I, is it fair to say, in your opinion, Mo, that in spite of all of this and all of the, the economic challenges, the health challenges, the the geopolitical related challenges as well, that the markets have proven themselves to be remarkably resilient in spite of all of these events? I would definitely agree with you on that particular topic. I'm always a glass half full sort of guy. That's what I've always looked at. And then there are the panicnistas out there, as I call them, which are always saying, look, the world is ending. It's going to end at midnight, but make sure you tune in tomorrow so we'll tell you what happened. But uh, I, you know, I'm always looking at the markets and we go through, there's no straight line. There, there will be ups and downs, just like life. It's it's not a straight line. There are ups and downs in life, and uh, that's what the market is all about. But you have to believe in American capitalism. You have to believe in American companies. And anybody who's shorted or gone short America or gone short American capitalism has ended on the short end of the stick. And people call me and say, oh, the dollar is crashing. I said, well, what would you like? Some Bitcoin instead? Or what would you like to have? They go, oh, no, I think I'll keep my dollar. So, uh, yeah, we do go through these ups and downs. But overall, the markets have held up very, very well. And we have a new paradigm. We have a new paradigm shift with the liquidity coming out of the system instead of coming in the system. You've been doing this for many, many years, and you've sat undoubtedly with thousands of clients down through the years who have walked into your office or called you uh, hands-wringing, concerned about what happened on Wall Street yesterday, last week, um, worried about the, the future of their uh, their financial plans. And I have to wonder, as, as you sort of look at the big scheme of thing of all of the years that you have been involved in market uh, money management, rather, and market analysis, what's the, the, the bigger enemy here? The historic performance of the Dow or the NASDAQ or the inappropriate emotional response to same? There's only two things that I try to tell people that will hurt them in these markets. One is fear and one is greed. Mm. If you have either one of those emotions, when they take over, watch out. That will be a disaster for your financial future. Uh, again, when markets are going down, people get fearful. When the markets go up, they get euphoric. What I try to tell them is make sure you keep your balance. And it is not easy to do, as you know, because when it comes to money, it is a very, very emotional subject. What I try to tell people is, first of all, let's find the correct emotional balance in your portfolio. Forget about the financial risk that you can take. How much emotional risk can you handle? And we call that uh, your risk number. It's like a speed limit. It's going on the freeway. And if you think you're going 30, but you're going 90, on the first curve that comes, you go off the cliff. 
So you have to know what speed your portfolio is going at and make sure that speed matches your emotional risk. And that's the first thing that we do. Then we have, you know, a team that has 100 years of experience in the markets that works with our clients. Uh, we have a professor of finance that teaches at the University of California, the MBA class for wealth management. He's my brother, but he, he does that for fun, and he's worked with me for 20 years. Those, uh, that's the kind of uh, team that we bring, expertise we bring to the clients, and then develop a roadmap to get them not where they are today, not worry about tomorrow, but where they will be when they retire and to maintain their lifestyle and to get them to their financial destination. Does that suggest that there needs to be, uh, what should we call it, a, a strategy in place? And I ask that question because, you know, I, th- I think the average Joe on the street where we had open the phone lines in this conversation right now and just take a, a, a general anonymous survey, most people, I think, would simplistically say, look, I've got X number of dollars in my nest egg today, and when I retire in 10, 20, 30 years, I'd like to have X number of dollars. It's a a very simplistic approach. They know that in the end, they want more. <laughs> but well, everybody th- wants to be Elon Musk, but they can't be. Elon Musk. Exactly. Okay. So we have to settle for something <laughs> in between. But but getting to that in between is not something that can be um, casually approached, can it? In other words, we've all seen times on Wall Street when, my goodness, it just seemed like month after month after month, like like real estate in Los Angeles or the San Francisco Bay Area, you couldn't buy a house that was a loser. They constantly went up. It was almost throw a dart at a name on the wall and uh, invest a few bucks and you made money. Uh, that that seems to be though a very simplistic approach. So I'm wondering from, from an overall strategic approach, what do people really need to keep in mind when it comes to taking that nest egg and investing it in such a way that it will get them to and through retirement? That's what I call gold-based investing. What are you trying to accomplish? That's the first thing we ask people. Besides, everybody wants to get rich. That's great. But what is your end goal? What do you want to really have? Do you want to maintain your lifestyle that you have? Do you want to transfer a lot of money to your kids? Do you want to sell your business, transfer your business, etc.? So then we develop a plan, and that is where we bring in somebody who's got 10, 15, 20 years of experience from our financial planning division, where a financial planner sits down, develops that roadmap for you. First, the investment team figures out how much risk and all of that. Then we want to have a roadmap to get you from where you are now to where you want to be financially. And then we check that and make sure we're on the right trajectory every single year that you are going in the right direction. And that's the most important part. People get so distracted by this or that and they get pulled in by, oh my God, but go ahead and uh, buy this because we are going to save you or buy gold or whatever it may be. Unfortunately, having the right plan and being able to stick and and uh, deliver on it, it's easier said than done, but that's what you have to do. And that's why we have the financial planners that work with every single client, somebody who's got 10, 15, 20 years of experience. We've got the asset management team that combine us nearly 100 years of experience in the markets. Then we have a relationship manager that again has 10, 15, 20 years of experience. And then we tell the people, look, if you become a client of Compaq, we'll give you a free trial for a year. If you're not happy for any reason for what we have done over the year, just call us and we will give back all the fees that we've charged you, no questions asked. 
That's how simply we try to tell people. There's very few people in our business who ever put their money where their mouth is. They'll tell you all the great things, but if you ask them to risk some of their own commissions or fees, they'll never do that. We say, look, try us out, see what we do for a year, and let us develop your financial plan. Let us do the asset allocation. And you're not happy. You don't even have to give us a reason. We'll refund all the fees. As you are perhaps uh, pondering your own financial future, reviewing where things are, and, and most importantly, perhaps trying to get a better handle on where you need to be to enjoy a comfortable retirement for yourself, maybe it's time for you to take advantage of a very special seminar coming to the San Francisco Bay Area. Mo is going to be hosting it. It's the 2023 Market Outlook Seminar with Mo Ansari. That'll be Wednesday, February the 22nd, starting at 11.30 a.m. in San Jose. It'll be a front early afternoon of food and finance and um, there's never of course any cost or obligation but because seating is limited you do need to register now during the seminar mo will provide detailed analysis and some insights regarding everything from the current state of inflation to interest rates market volatility stock market evaluation and the outlook for the balance of 2023 he'll also talk about recession possibilities and an overall glimpse at global economic conditions and ultimately what compact asset management can do for you. Again, the date will be Wednesday, February the 22nd at 11.30 a.m. And to get details and register online, simply go to compact.com. That's C-O-M-P-A-Q.com. Click on the seminar tab and you can register easily online. Again, no cost or obligation, but because seating is limited, do register today. Go to C-O-M-P-A-K, that's compact.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We're speaking today with Mo Ansari. Mo, of course, is the principal of Compact Asset Management and the host of Market Wrap, heard each Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. on KDOW. Mo, in the previous segment, you you made a bit of a reference to uh, cryptocurrency. And, of course, we know that uh, such matters have been very heavily in the news any surprise when you look at all of these events? And we know that, of course, there's lawsuits taking place. Security Exchange Commission is involved. Congress is investigating. I long from the very beginning wondered uh, at what point would governments, be it our own or others, begin to seriously step in and say, you know, th- this is a kind of a quagmire, obscure arena of finance that is totally unregulated, and I'm sure to the frustration of organizations like the IRS, further out of their control than they would like. Is there ever a time when a serious investor with an eye on retirement should be considering putting their toe into so-called cryptocurrency, or it just does it remain just too, 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 too murky and too um, potentially risky? I think it's it's what I call people call me up and say, Mo, maybe my friend bought crypto and they're doing so well and so on. I only buy companies that are good cash flows, that are solid companies that are going to be. But on the other hand, I say, look, if you want to take some money, which I call your Vegas money, and you want to put it into something like crypto or whatever, take a small, tiny portion and you can do it just, just for fun. Because it's not an investment. It's gambling. That's what you're doing. 
And if you want to do, take a little gamble with a half a percent or a quarter percent or something like that, it's fine. It's entertainment money rather than investing. That's the way I look at it. Same thing I told people 20 years ago when they're buying the dot-coms. And I said, look, there will be companies that are going to change the world like the Googles and the Microsofts and the Amazons. But you did not know 30 years ago which ones they were going to be. And there were thousands of other ones that everybody was buying. There will be companies that will come out of crypto that might make sense in the future, especially blockchain companies or the technology behind Bitcoin and all of these. So, But we will wait until we see companies that are out there that are making a profit turning cash flow that we can see that we've got audited returns that we can see the results and then you can buy them at that point as an investment but right now it's a gamble yeah and i like the way you put it if you if you approach it with the same idea as you would taking some cash out of the bank to head to reno or las vegas uh, (laughs) understanding that you might come home having hit the jackpot or you might come home with empty pockets and that's a level of money that you're okay doing that with then knock yourself out but to pick up the phone and call uh, your uh, your manager of your 401k and say cash me out i've just got this great deal on the latest dogecoin probably (laughs) not a good idea Exactly. Let's talk about another arena of the market that I, I certainly is of particular interest to folks here in Northern California. And I know you're going to be touching on some of this during your Market Outlook Seminar for 2023. Again, that's coming up on Wednesday, February the 22nd at 1130 a.m. in San Jose. No cost or obligation, by the way. And to participate, you just simply need to register online because seating is limited. Go to compact.com. That's C-O-M-P. AK.com and click on the seminar tab. Again, Mo here with us Wednesday, February the 22nd, 1130 a.m. in San Jose. Details and reservations, no obligation online at compact.com. Look for the seminars tab. But I'm curious, one arena, certainly post.com boom has been high techs. You look at what happened with the routing at the end of 2022. My goodness, the, the tech heavy NASDAQ down 33% much of that represented by the pain being experienced by many of the fang stocks the facebook's the the googles the apples etc etc it it has been such a key component for many investors to rely so heavily upon tech stocks to give the greatest degree of buoyancy to their investments over the last uh, nine, eight, ten years. Uh, going forward, do you get a sense that there will be some recuperation? Is this a necessary correction we're seeing right now? Does it does it suggest something more ominous? What are your thoughts? I think as far as technology is concerned, a lot of these companies grew astronomically during COVID. They just hired a lot more people. Demand was tremendous. And we saw that spike in their valuations and in what they were doing and demand for their products. But now as we normalize the world, we come out of COVID, I think their demand for some of their products is going down and it'll take a while to normalize and that's what we're going through. I still think we'll need uh, Google. We'll use Google. I think we still use Amazon on a daily basis. We use Microsoft. And so those companies and Apple phones, if we lose our phone for two minutes, uh, we have to run down or if we break it, we have to come run down and get a new one instantly because we can't live without them. It's become a utility, a necessity rather than a luxury. So I think these companies are going to do well. 
but interest rates which had been very, very low, and they were being priced for growth. Now with the interest rates going up, and I believe they're going to stay up for a period of time, they're not going to come down as quickly as everybody thinks. We have to revalue their growth, their their growth, and how much return we can, what we are paying for their growth. So I think they are going to not be the the companies. They will still do well, but not as well as they've done over the last ten years because the money liquidity uh, is not going to come from the Fed, and that is going to hurt. Uh, or discount their growth more than what we otherwise would. Some have said that the feds have tightened the screws way too much. Others have suggested that they've done it way too late. What, what, what is your thought? Are, are we more back to a sense of normalcy when we look at these current interest rates? I think we are normalizing them again. And, you know, 0% interest rates were not reality. I think we, we went overboard. They were late in uh, starting to raise rates in 21. They did not do that. They kept on calling inflation transitory while we had put in five, six trillion dollars into into the economy. That was a tremendous amount of money. It did cause inflation. And now they're trying to reverse that and raise interest rates, which they did at the fastest rate since 1980. So now I think we'll see a normal rate uh, somewhere around four or five percent. They've said their target is five for the Fed fund rate, which I think they are going to get to with another interest rate increase in March. But what happens after that is what the market is trying to figure out. And I think the Fed itself does not know. It will depend on the growth, how much the economy slows, if it slows or not. Everybody has been looking for a recession. And then we got the unemployment numbers last Friday with 517,000 jobs created. The economy is not going into recession. It's booming. So people are trying to figure that out. And I think it'll take some time before we see the impact of the interest rate increases that the Fed did last year and how much the economy slows, how much does unemployment go up, and then the Fed will gauge if they need to raise rates more or not. So not only are the money experts trying to kind of figure out where all of this is headed, the Fed as well, and perhaps you individually, as you look at your day-to-day income, your expenditures, the work that you're doing and setting up money heading toward retirement, are you on track? And, and how do you learn to sort of navigate through these new at times, uncertain waters. Well, much of that's going to be the focus of this special seminar we mentioned coming up on Wednesday, February the 22nd. It'll be at 11 a.m. in San Jose. No cost or obligation, but because seating is limited, you do need to register in advance. Go to compact.com. Look for the seminar tab. That's C-O-M-P-A-K.com. Look for the seminar tab to register easily online. Spend a quick moment, if you would, Mo, and kind of walk us through the highlights of what folks can can expect to experience during this special seminar on Wednesday, February the 22nd? Well, first of all, I want to really tell them how to find the right risk number for their portfolio. What is the right amount of degree of risk for them? How to find it? And each one of us are different. We have a different emotional makeup, different financial makeup, different uh, different part of life that we're in. And we're different, you know, we might be older, younger, and so on. So that's the first thing that I'm going to show them. Then I'm going to talk about my experience, what I've seen has worked over the years, what I've seen that has really created wealth. How do you create wealth for yourself? And then once you get to that point, what do you do with it? There's so many people who I talk to and say, oh, I just want to have more money. And I say, why? 
And I don't, sometimes they have to really think about that. And that's what really we want to. We want to get people, give them the freedom. They have enough money to get to the point where they can do the things they want to do. Money is only a tool to be used to get to where you want to go, whatever gives you happiness, whatever it may be. And that's some of the things that I talk about. I'll talk about the market, where I think it's headed, where interest rates are headed, where what I think about the technology, but really more about the building blocks. How do you put those in place to create wealth and build your own financial future? Moen Sari with a look at 2023's Market Outlook. The seminar again Wednesday, February the 22nd. It begins at 11.30 a.m. in San Jose. It'll be a fun early afternoon of food and finance, but to attend, you do need to register because seating is limited. Go to Compaq.com. That's C-O-M-P-A-K.com. Compaq.com and click on the Seminar tab to register for this upcoming seminar with Mo Ansari. Mo, always a delight spending some time with you. We appreciate your time today and look forward to your visit to the Bay Area. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to be with you. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Let's talk about some battle lines being drawn that is comprised of entertainment, the internet, Madison Avenue, social media, even institutionalized enemies of your beliefs and values, and it is a battle for the hearts and minds of of your children. What can we do to be better prepared to wage or protect our children in the middle of this battle? Well, a look today at 30 ways, 30 days to strengthen your family. And uh, joining me tonight is the author of this new book, former vice president of the Heritage Foundation, also serves currently on the board of directors for Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. And a new book out tonight, again, 30 ways in 30 days to strengthen your family, newly published by David See Cook Publications and Rebecca Hagelin. Great to have you on the program. Hey, thank you. It's an honor for me to finally be on the air with you. Thank you. Well, you know, I think we as parents understand that there's a battle afoot here. Uh, The problem is really understanding how these battle lines are drawn, Rebecca, and I guess understanding, too, and you you make this differentiation very early on in your book, that we need to be able to, to divide in our mind the understanding that our battle here is not really with our children, though many parents would feel like that that's exactly who they're doing battle with. But in reality, the real battle here is with the culture, isn't it? Yep, that's exactly right. Um, You know, I wanted to provide a handbook for parents so they could face, um, you know, the world and trying to raise their children with character with some help. And one of the chapters in there is called Battle the Culture, Not Your Child. And what it encourages parents to do is just kind of sit back and reflect on the fact that, hey, it is adults that are designing the pornographic websites. Adults are designing the songs for 10-year-old girls. Adults are designing the raunchy music that so many children um, are being pummeled with. Your battle's not with your child. Your battle is frequently with adults who have a different worldview than you do. And they're vying for the dollars that today's youth spends. I mean, our children today are the most affluent children in history of the world, and the fact that they, for the first time in many generations, um, have their own disposable income, and 
the marketers know that. And so they're after that share of the pie. And unfortunately, what they've learned how to do, there's also a chapter called Learn How Marketers Target Your Children, which is a study into um, how executives of a lot of these companies, MTV in particular, brag about not how they know what teenagers want, but they brag about how they've learned to manipulate the teenage mind. And so it's important for parents to understand this. Um, and then once parents read at least those couple chapters to sit down and go over them with their children too, because then it becomes you and your child against the world versus you against your child. And you know, the and irony is really important for, for our parents when they raised us, of course, the environment, uh, the culture and times in which we lived was very different. Today, I- these battles and the battle lines are being drawn in, as you're suggesting, Rebecca, in a number of different uh, arenas. I mean, it's not just Madison Avenue and the disposable income that your children have access to and they're being viewed as all potential customers from virtually the age of zero on up. But then, too, there are individuals out there that have a social engineering agenda that that uh, it really draws a battle line. And then outright exploitation, too. Yep, absolutely. I mean, in, in America, it used to be that the social institutions, by and large, came along beside parents and helped them. Um, today, you have a lot of educators, and certainly the NEA is is driving a wedge between parents and their children, telling parents they're not smart enough, that you know that they know better, uh, the teachers know better, that you don't really have any rights once your kids go in the schoolhouse door. And even the medical profession has changed a lot in the fact they used to help support parents raise children of character. I actually have a story in there about taking my daughter, who was 12 years old, for a sports physical, and the pediatrician, female pediatrician, actually, after she did the physical asked me to leave the room because she said she needed to talk privately with my daughter and I go through the story of how I said "Uh, no I will stay here for anything you have to say to my daughter and the long to make a long story short the point is that I did some research after that and uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics is actually encouraging doctors to ask parents to leave the room so the doctors can talk to the children about sexual information Um, and what the doctor was trying to share with my daughter is, hey, it's up to you to do what you feel. Um, Some people believe sex is, you know, only for marriage, but you get to decide that at 12 years old. Um, And so this is a book that really shows how the social institutions are um, undermining um, parents and families and what to do to fight back and how to do so joyfully, I might add. And, of course, that that is key, because at the end of the day, I think parents sometimes, you know, we're busy with careers and responsibilities that parents have to pay the mortgage and uh, pay tuition at school and and do all of that. And then on top of it, trying to raise a child um, in an environment that is God honoring with the kind of uh, values that we'd like to see passed on to our sons and daughters. And sometimes I think parents grow weary in the middle of this battle and all of a sudden now there becomes confusion. It seems as if we're battling our child and not battling the culture. So how do we differentiate between the two? And most importantly, how can we engage our child in at a level in which we can really have 
not only effective communication, but also walk away with a sense that uh, they're getting what we're trying to say, even with the so-called, uh, uh, you know, uh, gender or uh, uh, age gap. We're visiting today with Rebecca Hagelin. The book is called 30 Ways in 30 Days to Strengthen Your Family. And when we come back, we're going to talk about an important key as we kind of go over some of the highlights of the book, including this notion that just like soldiers at war, we ourselves must commit to this battle on behalf of our children daily. Our conversation with Rebecca Hegelin continues right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And as we're learning this afternoon from author Rebecca Hegelin and the new book she's written called 30 Ways in 30 Days to Strengthen Your Family, it's not the battlefield for the heart and mind of your child. It's the battlefields, plural, be it... Media, advertising, social engineering, uh, those that would literally um, uh, prey upon your children in the arena of sex trade, pedophilia, even the pressure that they receive from their peers, all comes together to conspire against the parent who is really trying in this day and age to uh, train up a child in the way that he or she should go and uh, have love and respect and uh, live to a set of, of moral codes or moral values that you and your faith have established for your son or daughter. And, of course, one of the issues at play here is that, as I mentioned before the break, Rebecca, parents can get weary and tired, but this um, this is much like a real war, isn't it, in that the soldiers need to commit and recommit to this on a daily basis if we're ever going to have any chance of winning. Yeah, I call it purposeful parenting. And you really do have to get up in your heart every day uh, committed to this battle because guess what? The pornographers don't start. The people who are teaching our children that they're just here by accident, you know, um, there's some advanced form of primordial ooze, they don't stop. The garbage on the television or the internet doesn't stop. So what I did when I was a parent of three teenagers simultaneously, I started waking up with a simple prayer in my heart, which went something like this, and I've got it in the chapter on Commit to the Daily Battle. Dear Lord, please help me today, on this one day, to stand up for the principles that you've set for my family, to, to touch my children in some deep and meaningful way in their heart, so that I know that they know that I love them and I'm there for them and I have their backs. Just give me enough grace on this one day to be courageous and joyful, Lord. And, and I can tell you, if you break it down day by day, you can do this. And you can find great joy because when you share truth with your children, you help them determine between truth and lies. Great joy and freedom comes from that. Um, you know, one of the other things that's really important in this daily battle, and I have a whole chapter on this too, is you don't make your health a no-zone. It can't be, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do this. You have to be able to help your children make alternative choices that are fun and enjoyable for them. And again, this is about finding joy in parenting um, God's way. And it's actually woven all throughout every chapter on the book about how to do that. Now, it could be argued, well, uh, Rebecca, here's the challenge. Uh, there are so many arenas, as we've suggested, that uh, parents are battling today. My goodness, how could I ever hope to inoculate them against everything that's out there? And I guess that's the difference between uh, teaching them item by item 
versus in equipping them with the ability to think on their own based on a set of moral guidelines and standards that would serve as the compass or the guidelines for them so that when they run into things that are not good and not healthy for them, be it the source of the Internet, television, social media, whatever, that they've got the capacity to be able to engage in some judgment call on their own. That's exactly right. I mean, the purpose of my book is not to tell parents to build walls around your children to protect them from the world. Number one, that's a bad idea. Number two, you can't do that. You do exactly what you just said. It's about developing in them an internal moral compass and showing them how to use it. Because your children are going out into the world every day. In just a few short years, they're going to be walking down that graduation aisle and out your door. And, you know, our children are not always going to make the right choice. That my husband and I determined they are going to know the difference between right and wrong. They're not going to live leave our house wondering what is right, and they're not going to leave our house believing in all the lies that the culture is trying to teach them. And it makes them stronger, and it uh, makes them really protecting them from a lot of the negative consequences that their peers are going to be suffering. Um, if you teach them these strong moral principles when they're young and do it every day. And, of course, that also takes some commitment on our behalf, doesn't it? I mean, it would be nice to say as a parent, well, here's this list of do's and don'ts that I've typed up. So just keep this in your back pocket. And whenever a question comes up, just refer to the list. I mean, it's, it's, it's more complicated than that, as we're suggesting. And I would imagine that in terms of helping them understand and, and create the ability to reason through and know the difference in the variety of ways in which they will be bombarded by all of these sources with the kind of tough choices that they have to make. And that, I guess, at the the end of the day, Rebecca, comes simply through time and interaction with our kids. You, you can't do this by remote, can you? No, you can't. I mean, you know, the world will try to tell you, oh, don't worry, it's about quality time versus quantity time. You know, it's actually both. I mean, God gave little babies to moms and dads for a reason. It's because we are supposed to hold them in our arms and in our hearts and teach them what is true and what is not true. And you can't do that in just a few minutes a day. Uh, you do it over a lifetime. You do it by creating family time. You know, I've got a chapter in there on that, and that's what it's called. And I use the word create very deliberately because you're not going to find extra family time. You have to create it in today's culture. Um, you have to learn how to have meaningful discussions with your children. And, and I provide some tips that work for others um, that are in the book as well. And uh, again, you know, when children are in a home where they know mom and dad are committed to them, where they understand, you know, where the boundaries are and what the foundation is, children, study after study reveals they're happier, they're healthier emotionally, um, they're less likely to be involved in drugs or sexual activity outside of marriage. It's just a thousand and one reasons why you should be engaged in purposeful parenting and, and starting afresh and anew tonight if, if you've not done that before. And going back to my notion that a, a simple list of do's and don'ts is not going to cut it, is modeling important here so that as the child watches you make the decisions and go through just day-to-day -day household life and what it means to be a parent and the child is watching you is it important that you're you're modeling consistency in terms of setting the example 
Yes, it's always important. I've actually got chapters there about helping to teach your children how to to make good friendships. And uh, part of that includes, why don't you, mom and dad, take a few minutes to examine your own friendships? Um, your children are watching the friends you choose. Um, there's information there. You know, a lot of people worry about their kids dealing with peer pressure. Well, there are a lot of moms and dads that won't deal too well with peer pressure ourselves. And um, so there's information there, kind of look like a little workbook at the end of each chapter to help parents kind of get their own house in order and realize uh, that they do have to set that a good example. And your children are really, they're dying for you to do that. They're just waiting for you to step up to the plate and really practice what we preach. And, um, and, and again, a lot of joy comes from when you do that and live that way. And Rebecca, I would imagine they're probably watching a lot closer than we would suspect. In other words, the inconsistency of saying to a child, uh, it's not okay to steal gum, uh, you know, walking through the uh, the five and dime store. Does it even exist anymore? <laughs> it's not okay to steal gum. So you're, you're trying to instill in your child the notion that it's not okay to steal. And then for your child to overhear a conversation between you and your spouse about how you've underreported, uh, you know, some side income from your income taxes, <laughs> they're, they're going to catch on to those things, aren't they? Oh, they're totally going to catch on to those things. And, you know, when you tell your child, you get a phone call and you say, tell them I'm not here. And you think, oh, that's just a little white lie. A lie is a lie. And your children are learning from you. And they know that, oh, mom and dad tell me it's wrong to lie, but they lie to their friends. So it really starts with examining, you know, your own heart and home and, and mom and dad sitting down and, and realizing, you know what, if we've made mistakes, it's okay. We're going to start over. One of, one of the things I find um, that's so sad is parents of teenagers oftentimes they'll hear me speak and they'll think beginning, oh, it's too late. I've done it all wrong. And my, my answer to that is as long as there is breath in you, there was, there's always a chance to repair and restore and make stronger a relationship in your life. And along with that, um, our kids are looking for heroes. In a day and an age when there are so many anti-heroes out there, wouldn't it be nice whether you're starting when, you know, the kids are, are six days old, six years, or, you know, they're in your 60s and you're in your 80s, to be able to to have a son or a daughter say, mom was my hero, dad is my hero? Oh, my goodness. It's so important. Um, and again, I have another chapter on that because today hero is confused with sports star, right? Oh, yes. Or movie <laughs> yeah. star or recording star. And it's very important to teach our children what makes a real hero and what a hero is so that they can learn to do heroic things in their own life. You know, a hero is, is most often described as somebody who makes sacrifices on behalf of another. And uh, we need to teach our children that and find heroes in your own family to start with. Maybe you had a, a you know, a great grandfather or grandfather who who has served in World War II, or you know, or maybe you have a friend whose son is a soldier in Afghanistan or something. And look for heroes close to home. Um, to, and tell their stories to your children and show them as role models, you know, rather than that latest basketball star who's in trouble again um, for the way he's treated his girlfriend or something. Um, very important for our kids to understand that. Yeah, and, and helping them to understand the difference, as Rebecca points out. Uh, newsflash for a lot of kids and parents out there. 
Kim Kardashian's not a hero. Kanye West is not a hero. But there are plenty of heroes out there, and you can start to influence your child in a big way to become a hero in their eyes as well, no matter when you start. And I think that's an encouraging message that Rebecca Hegelin has shared with us today. The book is called 30 Ways in 30 Days to Strengthen Your Family. And what's great about the book is it's it's pretty interactive, and uh, a lot of the uh, sort of the backside to all of these uh, insights uh, are followed up on by Rebecca's daughter. And so you get a chance to kind of see the parental perspective, child's perspective, what all that means and how that dialogue, how that interaction, how that quality time can come about. The book, again, 30 Ways in 30 Days to Strengthen Your Family. It's author, our guest on this edition of Lifeline, Rebecca Hegland. Rebecca, thanks so much for your time today. The book, by the way, published by David Cook, available in bookstores throughout the San Francisco Bay Area. You'll find it at the usual suspects, Amazon.com, as as well as on Rebecca's website, theresurgent.com. That's theresurgent.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.